Well, at least on paper, Oregon football is a better team in 2023. Is it that simple? Kind of. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Loads of football to get to today. We have a new commitment as well in the 2024 class. Three-star wide receiver Jack Ressler from Modern Day High School. We'll be talking about him on Thursday's show with Brian Smith, our Locked On uh, recruiting guru here at the network. But for today, this question came in from Raymond. You can always be a part of the mailbag, YouTube comments, or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at Locked On Ducks. Raymond says, with this being Dan Lanning's first full year as a head coach, meaning a full recruiting cycle and a full season under his belt already, and the defense appearing much improved from last year's team, do you think the 2023 Ducks will be much improved. Also, Bo, Bo Nix, is more seasoned with the Oregon players, and that familiarity should be factored in. agree with you about the offense. I think the weapons offensively for the Ducks look really, really good. Now, the case I'm making here is that Oregon's team this year, on paper, is better than it was last year. Doesn't mean they'll have a better season, as I will get to. But when you go up and down, I agree that Oregon's roster across the board on the whole big picture comparatively to a season ago is better or has more talent than a season ago, which isn't to say there was a lack of talent on last year's team. They went 10 and three. There certainly was not. However, I didn't try and overthink how I thought about responding to this particular question for the show today because I just thought about each and every position group. If you're going to be a better team, you should have better players. That's what it all starts with. It's more about the Jimmys and the Joes in college football than the X's and the O's. Doesn't mean that the latter of those two items are important. They most certainly are. But if you're talking about whether or not a team is better than they were a season ago, you have to look at their roster one year and then compare it to the following year and say, okay, where did they improve? So when I go down Oregon's roster, and I'm going to go through each position group just broad, broadly speaking, I come away with a, a net total in my mind of, yeah, this is a better overall team on paper. We'll get to that later as well. But the safeties, I think you've made improvements there with Tysheem Johnson and Evan Williams and Brian Addison is back. I think you got more speed. I think you've got experience and talent as well. The corners, tough to replace Gonzo. Definitely tough. That is a first-round NFL cornerback who looked like for a little while he'd be a top-ten pick. I think he still was capable of being that and will shine in New England in a big way. But given how the secondary performed a year ago, remember, there were two, there were two forms of Triquez Bridges last year. There was second half and there was first half. First half was getting picked on over and over and over again by opposing defenses. Second half, not so much. He was really good. So... When I think about the prospect of having him be second half season Triquez Bridges for an entire season, and then I look at the talent that existed in the room, 
and the talent that they've brought in, Nico Reed now from Colorado, Kyrie Jackson from Alabama, you have Jalil Florence, who I thought had a great true freshman season. I think at the very least, you can mimic or get close to the production you had from your cornerbacks from a season ago. Now, can any of those guys this year be as good as Christian Gonzalez? Probably not. So I think it's reasonable if you think, ah, corners might take a half step back. I think that's reasonable. I think it's fair, but I don't think it's going to be such a large step back, even though they lost a supremely talented guy. Linebackers, they'll be at least as good, if not better, than they were a season ago. Yeah, you'll lose Noah Sewell, but you bring in Justin Jacobs, who's got a lot of potential, and then Jamal Hill and Jeffrey Bossa at the other linebacker slot with Connor Swelly and uh, Devin Jackson maybe getting into the fold every now and then as well, I look at how Oregon's linebackers graded a season ago. Jeff Bossa and Justin Flo were two of the three most played linebackers for the Ducks last year, and they graded horribly. I think Bossa will improve. I think Jamal Hill can be good. And I think those steps forward will at the very least offset, if not surpass, the drop in production you'll probably have from Noah Sewell to Justin Jacobs. And hey, Jacobs hasn't been fully healthy at any point in this, uh, at, at this point in his career. So maybe he can be as good, right? We don't really know. He's a bit of an unknown commodity in that sense. But still, I feel pretty good about where you're at there. Defensive line, vastly improved. Vastly improved. You have Dorless and Rogers back. You bring in Jordan Birch. You bring in Mateo Uyunglele. Those are tangible pieces that I think can improve the defensive line in a big way. So again, tallying it up on the defense, if we're keeping a running scoreboard here, that's a net positive for more talent. Now let's go to the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line is the unit I am most convinced will take a step back. Does not mean I expect them to be bad. I do expect them to not be, you know, maybe the best in the country like they were a season ago. That's not a reasonable expectation. They allowed one sack in the first eight games. They allowed the fewest in college football for the entire season. That's not a reasonable expectation. I don't care how much talent you bring in, and you have tur- when you have turnover at the center and left tackle position and multiple other starting slots, you're going to take a step back. They'll still be good, a lot of talent there, but I think that they won't be quite as good. So I think a step back is likely, and that's okay. But wide receivers, I think you were improved from what you had a season ago. I think Troy Franklin can be even better. I think you can get the production you got out of Chase Coda from Treshawn Holden. Then you add Gary Bryant. Jurion Dickey's coming in. Kyler Casper's in the room. You bring in Tez Johnson, who had an outstanding season at Troy. You are deeper and I think more productive and talented at the wide receiver position than a season ago. At the tight end position, you've got the high-end talent in Terrence Ferguson. You don't have the depth that you had a year ago, but if T. Ferg stays healthy... You have the best tight end out of all the guys who have come through that room in the last couple of years. And at the end of the day, that's the most important. Running backs, somehow they've improved, but my goodness, they just couldn't have gotten that much better, right? And I say they've improved because you have Dante Dowdell in the mix, and I think he'll be one of the four Oregon running backs we see get carries in some regular capacity this season. And I think that's great. I think he and Jordan James can both be really effective in the goal line. So I think you're at least as good, if not better and deeper, than you were a season ago. And the quarterback is the same. So just running through. Quarterback, same. Running back, same. Tight end, not as deep, but mostly the same. Wide receiver improved. Offensive line step back. Defensive line, biggest improvement. Linebackers about the same, maybe improved. 
Corners should be similar. Safety should be improved across the board. That's why I look at the Ducks this year and say with the roster turnover that they've had under Dan Lanning and this staff, that is why I anticipate that they will be a better team on paper than they were a season ago. That doesn't automatically translate over to the field. I will explain why after I explain that FanDuel is the place you need to go to get in on all of the gambling action. They've already got college football lines up there. We're seven and a half point favorites against Oregon State in the game formerly known as the Civil War in November. You can already bet that game. I know, pretty crazy, but you can bet that. You can bet everything else. And new customers right now get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They've got great promotions every day, safe, secure, super easy to use app with a great interface. You get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, so... Every day is out there wondering, Spencer, where is the second segment sip? The answer is I forgot water before I came on to record, and right now we're vibing. We're good. We're good to go. So if I didn't feel like I needed it beforehand, maybe I changed my mind in five minutes or so. But right now we got the energy to keep things rolling for today. But being better on paper does not mean that Oregon is necessarily going to have a better season. It means they are capable of having a better season. But there's no guarantee in any of that. Texas A&M, on paper, with the way they've recruited the last several years, had the potential to be as good as Alabama, as Georgia, as LSU. They went 5-7. and seven. On paper and results are two different things. Now, that does not mean that talent acquisition and recruiting are completely irrelevant in the world of college football when setting your expectation for a given season. It does mean that it changes what is possible. And the way that Oregon has put together talent, the way they've improved at certain positions, the way they got key guys to return, like Bo Nix, like, uh, I mean, Bucky Irving wasn't eligible for the NFL, but with the portal nowadays, you never know. The fact that he's still there, that Troy Franklin will be there, that T. Ferg will be there, that you have all these key returning pieces, guys like Brandon Dorless, and then you add on top all the talent that they've brought in from the high school and the portal ranks, you can look at it and say the potential is definitely there to have a better season than a year ago. But in order for that to happen, you have to get some breaks. Every great Oregon team, every great Oregon season has been this close to it not being as good as it was. And we've had several seasons over the years in which Oregon has been this close to having that sort of great season, and they just don't quite get there. 2012, the one year of Chip and Mariota. How close were we to getting to the national championship game again? One DeAnthony Thomas block, or potentially one made field goal from Alejandro Maldonado. That close. Or them calling Ertz out in the back of the end zone. That close. The margins can be that thin. And I, I bring all this up to kind of set people's expectations in terms of what to expect versus what is possible. 
I'm not saying, you know, hey, when we go seven and five, don't be disappointed. I told you this could happen. No, this should not be a seven and five football team, right? That that would mean if if that happens this year, that means Oregon has suffered one or more catastrophic roster crippling injuries, most likely to Bo Nix. And and they're just not able to recover and Ty Thompson can't get the job done and whatnot. That's what that would indicate. But having a great roster on paper and a better roster on paper does not automatically mean you're going to win more games. Oregon might win the same number of games. They could go 10-2 and two this year, miss the Pac-12 championship game because two teams go 8-1. and one. Maybe it's Washington and USC, and those are Oregon's only losses. Or maybe it's Washington and Utah or USC and Utah or, or whoever, and they go to a bowl game and lose, and we end up with the same record. Doesn't mean that the ceiling was the same because I think this team is better than last year's team. But things have to go your way. Think about 2014, the year that Oregon went to the national championship game last with Mariota at the helm. They went on a big run later, so maybe they win it anyway. But that season might have a different vibe if Kalen Clay doesn't drop the ball at the goal line. That's 14-0 versus 7-7. The margins can be that thin. But it is encouraging that Lanning and the staff have put themselves in a position to be able to succeed at a high level because that is absolutely where they are. Now, carrying that into on-field results, different matter. That is a completely different matter. But step one, have the roster you know, loaded with sufficient talent. And I think they've done that really, really well. Always curious as you guys' thoughts. Drop them in the YouTube comments below or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. Okay, so let's move to the next question here. That one was from Raymond. Great question, Raymond. This one from Blaine. Blaine Hugo. I read Hugo and I uh I thought of that old Bud Light commercial. Um where the guy's like, Yeah, I got a new rescue dog. His name's Wego. Kind of a name is Wego. Yeah, call him. Here we go. And then the dog runs to the fridge and fetches a beer. I love that. It's a great commercial. Anyway, question from Hugo. So for the offense, you have the quarterback and the center as the leaders, correct? Who are the leaders for the defense and who will it be for the Ducks this coming season? So typically, this is a great question. Typically, for a defense to, you don't have a quarterback per se, but for a defense to operate at its best, you have to have one guy who you know gets the, gets the play calls in, gets everybody together. They call it the quarterback of the defense, but it's not called you know defensive quarterback because there's nothing like playing quarterback. The quarterback of the, the quarterbacks of the defense typically are the middle linebacker and the free safety. Those are the two positions that that you look at most consistently as guys that are, you know, in charge, calling out plays, maybe, you know, calling out things that they see or trends or, hey, watch for this. Hey, watch for that. Hey, we're here. Make sure everybody's, you know, on the same page and everybody understands their assignments. Last year, I would have said it was Noah Sewell and maybe Brian Addison on the back end. But I think that's something that the team was kind of missing. Now, I don't know the dynamic in the locker room, right? Brian Addison was the best free safety that, uh, that that the Ducks had a season ago, but I don't know necessarily if 
he was the guy who was, you know, that vocal leader on the back end. I think it might have been Steve Stevens. I've heard a lot about him, you know, in in tidbits from coaches and, you know, other media people who who cover the team. That that's that that's kind of the guy, you know, he's a really experienced player, hasn't been, you know, a world beater at the safety position for the Ducks, but has been a solid contributing starter for several years. But the positions you look at are middle linebacker and we're going to land as two linebackers. So, you know, it's got to be one of them. And then a safety on the back end. I, I think the two guys that I would look for to be the leaders this year, number one, Brian Addison, because Addison's going to be going into year two. I think he's one of Oregon's three starting safeties. I think he plays a lot. I think he had a great season a year ago. PFF agrees. Uh, he is an explosive athlete, but he's now a supremely veteran player. He came in as an athlete out of college in the 2018 or 19 class. He's going into his final season of eligibility and being there in year two in the defense and having two safeties there in Evan Williams and Tysheem Johnson. I think that those guys, you know, being newcomers on campus, it's harder to have that sort of respect and institutional uh, loyalty from from the guys in the locker room to look to you to be that sort of leader. But Addison plays the position. He's got the experience, and I expect him to be on the field enough to be that sort of guy. Now, linebacker, this is interesting. I, I could go a lot of different ways here. I'm going to go with Jeffrey Bassa. I'm going with Jeffrey Bossa because Justin Jacobs has not played as much football actually on the field in his career as as Jeffrey Bossa has. Jacobs, like the other safeties I mentioned, uh, he's a linebacker, of course, like but the other players who are safeties I mentioned are newcomers. And Jeffrey Bossa is a guy who, look, I don't know how much of it he hears, but there was plenty of criticism of him a year ago because he did not have the sort of season I think he's capable of or that he was expecting, at least by PFF metrics. And I, and I think when you look at what he's capable of versus what he delivered a year ago and how the defense overall played a season ago, I think he can be better. But when I watch Jeffrey Bossa and you think about what kind of guys can be the leader on that end of the defense, I think about guys who play with a lot of energy, emotion, passion, right? Noah Sewell, Big-time vocal leader, right? Every time he made a play, you know, he, he didn't have the Tim Duncan approach, right, where it's keep a straight face the entire time. But Bossa plays with that sort of energy. He's going to be back at the linebacker position. I think he's going to be one of the two starters for the Ducks this year. But I would watch for Jamal Hill. I would watch for Jamal Hill to be that sort of guy. I don't know if he's going to be one of the starting backers. Maybe it's him and Justin Jacobs. Maybe it's him and Jeff Bossa. I don't know. We don't really know until we see snap one against Portland State on September 2nd. But I think for for Bossa, it's it's a year where he's kind of trying to prove it, that he can play, that he can take his game to that next level. And entering year three as a regular starter for the Ducks, I think that's someone who's poised to be in that sort of position. And he, of course, plays the correct position. But... You, you, you typically look at linebackers and safeties because they have kind of a, a bird's eye view of everything. You know, safety more in the middle of the field, sees a lot of stuff. It's not as easy for a corner to do it because him shouting all the way across the field or being able to see what's happening on the other side just doesn't happen as much. And then you have it at the linebacker position because he's kind of calling everything out, talking to the defensive linemen and other linebackers for, you know, what he's identifying from the second level, but kind of down there in in the box. So those would be my two picks, Jeff Bossa and uh, Brian Addison. But curious who all you think or, or who you all think could be 
a, a vocal leader for the Ducks this year. Let's uh, round it out with a couple of other great questions. Gosh, I love when you guys send questions. The mailbag is loaded, by the way. It is jam-packed. We are not going to run our mailbag questions for a little while. Still keep them coming because we're not going to have football games for a little while. And we got to pass the time somehow. We might as well have fun together. And I absolutely love it. Blazer Duck, perennial question asker and everydayer here at the podcast, asks, asks, so for the offense, oh, I almost read the same question twice. Look at me. See, everybody makes mistakes. That's okay. Dan Lanning has said several times that Oregon needs more speed and he's been able to recruit more of it, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Curious on your thoughts for the offensive side of the ball. With more speed on the team and new OC Will Stein, do you see him trying to run plays at the same speed that Kenny Dillingham did or do you see him trying to run plays as fast as Chip Kelly did? Thanks, Spencer. So we're just talking offensive side of the ball. I think your team speed is more than sufficient when you look at Franklin and Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson might be is probably the fastest player on either side of the ball. I don't know if there's one on defense who you'd say is faster than Tez Johnson. There probably isn't. So I think they've increased team speed at some level on both sides, right? Especially at the safeties when you talk about, you know, Jamal Hill and Bennett Williams having been two safeties a year ago that played regularly for the Ducks. I think Addison's got great high-end speed. But Tysheem Johnson and Evan Williams, I think, are faster players than those two who, you know, are almost linebackers. I mean, Jamal Hill's literally playing linebacker now. And I think they made that move because he's a bigger body type and, you know, he, he can make that transition. And he's also an experienced, talented player who you want on the field. But offensively, no one's ever going to run the blur offense again. At least no one will do it at the, the way that Chip Kelly does and did it back then. I don't necessarily need him to, you know, with, with Will Stein, I'm sure they will utilize tempo, but nobody utilizes tempo the way Chip did back in the day like that was deliberately trying to be as fast as possible teams will play with tempo from time to time and we did so from time to time a season ago right it was a pretty regular thing but still weren't going as fast as what we saw back in the 2010 days right like I don't think we, we we should ever expect Oregon to run plays at that clip again where we were trying to snap the ball every 13 seconds because that's a philosophy that is a mindset that is something that was dialed in at practice right just go there's going fast and then there's warp speed right you know i remember those uh images of chip on the side like go 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 right he always wanted to go always pushing go as fast as humanly possible we're not going to see that from will stein doesn't mean we won't see up tempo sequences doesn't mean we won't see up tempo moments but i don't think that team speed is necessarily tied to playing with tempo. You could be a physical team that's just pounding the rock and you don't want the defense to substitute or catch their breath. You could be out there with 13 personnel, right? One back, three tight ends with a really physical style on on the drive and you could go as fast as you want. You don't have to have team speed to play fast. It makes a lot of sense because you catch guys off guard, you catch teams off guard defensively. And then if you have the team speed to exploit that, it can create big plays in the running and in the passing game. But I think we'll see some tempo, but I expect stylistically, you know, as Will Stein has said, and the fact that we still have Dan Lanning as our head coach, I expect the offense to look very similar to to what we saw a year ago. And I, I think the way in which Dillingham utilized tempo 
you know, sparingly or when he needed to, but also being very willing to slow it down and say, okay, let's make sure we get the right play call in. Let's make sure we're in the right protection and everything. We're not trying to wear him down or anything like that. I think that's a factor of it as as well. So I, I think that's what it'll look like, but I, I don't think we'll ever see anything, you know, like what uh, like, like what Chip did. That was That was very, very unique. Okay, speaking of unique, how about this question from left field, way downtown, out of the blue, from beginner Catholic. This is a question about literal ducks. I'm, hey, I always tell you, you send me any question about the ducks, I will answer it. Always. There has never been a question sent in to me that I didn't answer because I appreciate all of you. Get creative as these things if you want. Star Wars comparisons, Marvel comparisons. We've done it all. We can do it all. Now we're going with ducks. Okay. Here's what he asks. While on a short walk, I greeted our brother ducks in the spirit of St. Francis of Assisi, which in turn inspired this query. This is very elegant. If the top five teams were represented by a different species of duck that I've seen in my lifetime, which would it be and why? All right. And and by the way, this came prepared with a video of different kinds of actual ducks. In case there were any doubts that this is an Oregon Ducks podcast. So I went through and I picked five and I assigned them a team from the last 15, 20 years or so of my conscious life that I have seen. So, first one, the mallard is the standard, solid, nothing over the top or flashy duck. That's the 2022 football team. 10-3 and season, we felt just okay, not bad, not a disaster, could be better, would like it to be better, but good, solid, standard. There we go. Aside from not beating either of the rivals, standard season. 9-3 and three win the bowl game. Solid. Okay? That's the mallard. Now the, the, the marbled duck. The marbled teal. Excuse me. Flashy, showy, kind of funny looking is that 2010 team with the blur offense. Flashy uniforms, new style, little Michael James, go fast, score a bunch of points. Perfect mix. The blue-winged goose looks really odd. Not sure that it's even a duck. That's the 2016 team because they went 4-8 and eight and what on earth was that? I don't even know if that was Oregon football. I don't even know if the blue-winged goose is a duck. It's literally called a goose, but it was in the video anyway, so I thought it would work. The Brazilian merganser. When you look at it, you go, it's a different take on a duck. It's kind of a, a new way to package this, but it, it gets the job done. That's the 2018 team because we started to see Mario's vision implemented for the program. And it was big linemen and it was physicality and it was toughness and it was, it was different. It worked though, got the job done, but it was different than what we'd seen in the past, which was be light, be fast, be flashy, and be quick. Uh, last one here. I had too much fun doing this. I always do. The tufted duck. The tufted duck is black and it has this yellow spot on its eye. And I thought it would look the coolest under the lights or in a night setting. Or then I landed on it. It would be the perfect duck 
of Halloween. What's the most iconic Halloween game Oregon's ever played? How about 2009 when we literally ran USC out of Autzen Stadium? So there you go. Those are Oregon football teams as literal, actual ducks. How else would we end a Tuesday? Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.